I'd like us to spend a few minutes this evening, if you've got the energy for it, meditating, thinking about the theology of salvation, um, what it is to be saved, how people are saved. Uh, and you might say, well, that's perfectly straightforward. I don't think it is. Um, in some ways, it is perfectly straightforward. But in other ways, it's easy to get it muddled up. Uh, and I think it'd be good to remind ourselves of exactly what the Bible does say on this subject. Uh, and it actually leads us into quite deep truths, uh, as you will have noticed from the passage that we read. So up on the screen, does it say theology of salvation? In other words, being saved. And so I'd like us to do this together. If, if it goes too slow, just look even more bored. If it goes too fast, look puzzled. And I might get the message that my wife says I'm never very good at getting messages like that. Um, And I'd, I'd like us to think as we go through whether what we are seeing refers to a crisis, so something that just takes place in a really big moment, or whether it's something that takes place with a process, so it's just something that gradually goes on and you're never quite sure whether you've arrived at it. And also to think whether what the Bible is describing is something which is basically from earth, so a human process and, and nothing more than that, or something which is from heaven, or whether there's something of both in there, and if so, what is there of both? You will have noticed, even in the reading, verse chapter 2, verse 8, said that there's something which is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Did you notice that? So at least something in that text, it says, not from earth, but from heaven. At least something in that text is not of yourselves, it is from heaven. So, so I'd like to begin by asking you, what phrases people use when they're talking about people being saved. So I started off with one, people say, so-and-so, I got saved, or so-and-so got saved. And there's actually quite a number of expressions that people use. Anybody like to shout out, pardon? Thank you, born again. Would I be right in saying that, did Billy Graham write a book called how to be born again. Did he? I somehow in my mind link Billy Graham with that phrase, but uh, Billy Graham was an American evangelist who was prominent in the 1960s and around then. Uh, other suggestions, born again? Finding Jesus. Okay, so people say, I found Jesus. Thank you. Any other suggestions? If you were asked about the seeing the light, yes. Conversion, yes. Converted. So converted is the passive, so that's something that happens to you. 
or sometimes people say, I, I converted, which would be the positive. You would say people are a convert. And of course, it is a convert conversion to something. Uh, converted to Christianity, converted to Christ. Thank you. Okay, knowing God. Yeah, meeting God. Finding the truth. Any, any more for any more? I got some. Uh, giving my life to the Lord. And people would say, you need to give your life to the Lord, or I have given my life to the Lord. Came to know the Lord. Yeah, thank you. Turning to Christ. Yeah. Of course, the dismissive one that people would say about people like us is they got religion. That's what people would say. They suddenly got religion uh, in a dismissive way. Okay, that'll do for a, a list just to get us going. And... Is there any of those that you would say, I really would not like to think of Christianity in any shape or form under that, that way of, of speaking? Any of those completely out of order? I mean, I, I think the got religion, I would probably, I, I, I would not. So let's, let's scrub that one out for the, for the purposes this evening. If we look at those other ones, which we say we're reasonably happy with, would they tend to emphasize the idea of a crisis, so it's one thing that happens decisively, or would they tend to emphasize the idea of a process, so it's a sort of a, a journey and perhaps you get there and perhaps you spend a long time traveling? You think it's both? Okay. And of that list, um, of that list, which ones sort of tend to point out the crisis side of it? Because I would say born again points that out. Although you, we know that being born is not an instant thing. It takes time, doesn't it, in, in, in human life. There's the process of conception, and then, well, it, just, it takes more sometimes, it takes less time, doesn't it? But uh, that, that's, that tends to be in the nature of a crisis. Do you? Yeah, go on. Well, I just think from personal experience, um, you, 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 you're sort of born again, and when you come to know a little bit about Jesus and, and all the things that he uh, talks, the, all the things that he talks about in the Bible, you know, for instance, you know, things like forgiveness, acceptance, um, freedom from sin, and all those sort of things. So when you start actually, when you wasn't born again, when you was 
alive before without Christ, you sort of had, you had a lot of baggage and, and you were living in a, in a place where that wasn't. But as you get to know Christ, it becomes, it becomes that it is that. So you're sort of born again, you shed, you shed all the darkness, if you like, and, and then you, you, um, you're bo- you feel born again because you're like a new person because all that stuff that was is no longer there. So, so if I, if I to draw process. a little diagram of it and say this is all the baggage and everything like that and things you learn and then boom, it changes. It changes, yeah. yeah so yeah. we've got a process leading up to a, a crisis, if you like. It's a process of getting to know Jesus, I think, yeah. or reading the Bible, really, yeah. and then praying and then meditating on it and then going, oh, really? Oh. Okay. And, so, and so on. But would, would you say that it's, it's legitimate to say, today I'm born again, you know, at such and such a point, say, I know I'm born again, um, and yesterday or 10 years ago I wasn't, but now I am, and there's been a step change somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's definitely been a step change. Before yeah. I was in condemnation and now I'm not. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. thank you. Um, would any of, would any of anybody like to comment on any of those other ways of speaking? Yeah, conversion. It, Converted the, is a crisis word. Conversion is a crisis word. The, the nearest thing in the Bible to conversion is turning or repentance. So it is that you're going in one direction and you must turn around and go back in the other direction. So I think what, what, what I would say, just to sort of not let that, those thoughts go on too long, is that Bible people will be very much on the idea that you, there's two states. You're either not a Christian or you are a Christian. And you need to transfer from being not a Christian to being a Christian. It's not like learning a language. In learning a language, you start off and you grow, and you maybe never get to learn it precisely. And there's not really a moment where you say, today I can speak Portuguese, yesterday I couldn't speak Portuguese. Do you see what I mean? It's just just a a never-ending process. But becoming a Christian, in that sense, isn't a never-ending process. There's a moment where I say, this is... There was a moment when I was not born again and I became born again. Would you go along with that sort of way of looking at it? Jack? I'm looking at you because you're going. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's have... Yeah, I, I, yeah, there, there is, there, yeah, there, there is there's like a gestation process, isn't there? Yeah, I think for some people there is an identifiable moment where they prayed a particular prayer and then everything was different from then. From other, for other people there was sort of like a process and they come through it and they say, whoa, look what's happened. So that was my, my story. When I came to university I prayed to become a Christian like these other Christians and at the end of my first term I found 
that God had made me a Christian like these other Christians. And I don't know exactly when that happened, but there was a process. But let's look, let's look in um, Ephesians 2, because you know, we, we've been thinking how we think of it. And we always need to ask the question, have we got this right from the Bible? Is this the way the Bible thinks of it? So let's simply go through these verses in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 and see what they say. So I've got a little blank sheet up on the screen here which says, before, um, after, and the transition, going from what I used to be to what I am now, how does that happen? And I think it's just worth noting that Paul uses we and you in this. And he says that the we, most of the time, is he's talking about himself as a first-generation Jewish believer. And roughly speaking, the you, the people that he's speaking to, are Gentiles who you would not have expected to be Christians. So do you notice that? He says the we and you. Uh, So chapter 1... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes down, if you go down to verse 13, he said, and you also were included in Christ. So it's just easy to miss that, but that's the background of what he's saying. He's saying the privilege that we have uh, as the first believers, we who are first to believe in Christ, and you also have this privilege too. So it comes to the same thing because whatever he's said about we is also true about you because you also get the same blessings. But anyway, let's take it verse by verse then. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, so let's do the bit before the but. Uh, What could we say about the, uh, just to see what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to say this is what they were like, and this is what they were saved from, and this is what happens when they were saved. So you need to understand both of those. So anybody like to suggest any descriptions of the Ephesians before they were converted? I kind of see a picture of like um, blind people who are... Oh. So I see uh, an image of uh, like blind people who are... Um, not by their own choosing but by the um, state that they find themselves in um, trying to satisfy um, their cravings or their uh, desires by looking to things in the world around them which would be a natural um, natural thing to do uh, an instinctive and um, yeah, something that would be, you know, a sensible thing to do almost because 
hey, what else is there to do but to try and fulfill the inner cravings that we have within us? So by looking around what's around to try and fulfill those desires. Thank you very much. Okay, do you mind if we pick that out a little bit? Um, so somebody who is blind, and could I just come back on this? So what, what did they not choose? Because I, I wrote that down as you were saying it. So what did they not choose? Um, I don't think they chose to be blind. I think oh, okay. yeah, it's not of their own will to, um, to find themselves in this state. It's how they are. Okay, thank you very much. Um, would anybody like to comment on that and tease that out? By nature. Okay, so where, where, are, we getting, where are we getting by nature from? Verse 3. Verse 3. We were by nature objects of wrath. So there's something there about nature. The way we are, the way... Um, so shall I put this in, in this area here? Um, by nature, actually it says by nature objects of wrath, doesn't it? Now let me ask you a question. Do you think if people are by nature this way, is it in fact unfair for God to be wrathful towards them if it is their nature to be thus, is it unfair for God to be wrathful? Because that's what it says. We were by nature objects of wrath. I think the way, the way we were objects of wrath. Would like a. So the way we are objects of wrath is not is not sort of, it's also quite a kind thing because, you know, Jesus still gives people food and shelter and money and jobs and warmth, you know, but they, they don't have their inner cravings satisfied. So it's not a Ross where they're getting bombarded and attacked and, 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 and punished all the time. So, but the fact that God is wrathful, I think is a just thing because... They have, uh, they haven't looked to God, and I can, I, I think that it's a righteous wrathness from God that okay. they haven't looked, because He is, after all, their Creator. Okay, so, so saying a couple of things there. One, that to to say that they're objects of wrath is not all that you can say, because mm -hmm. human beings such as the Ephesians used to be, were also objects of God's mercy because he feeds them, clothes them, them yeah. looks after them. Yeah. Maybe even hears their, their prayers if they pray, you know, yeah. Lord, save, um, save my child from death. So it's not the only thing that we could say. But this question about the, they are by nature objects of wrath. So, I'm just, so you're saying that that is just... Because I'm sort of picking up on Ross saying they didn't choose to be this. They didn't. Um, so I think Ross, you're saying that they didn't. They weren't in some neutral place, and then they said, "Oh, I'm going to choose to be." Um, something. Can can I add something? Then? Yes. So th these thoughts are from 
this morning in Sunday Club where they were look, the children were looking at the flood and the story of the flood. And so God looked at the world before the flood and man was so evil and sinful mm. that he decided to wipe them out completely apart mm. from Noah who was um, not taking part in the sinful nature. Mm. And so... I suppose sin and people following the desires of their heart, if you take that and kind of put it in a real world situation, is people uh, murdering each other, people um, being involved in relationships that um, end in pain for, for each other and, you know, really terrible, terrible things. And so the only real end result can be God's wrath because the sinful nature is so bad in yeah. its, in its, yeah. um, when it's left alone to... Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So we've got a number of things here. Um, I think one, one thing is, you mentioned people murdering one another and going to extremes in... Um, uh, sort of bizarre relationships or whatever. I don't think Paul is restricting himself just to those who were doing extreme behavior. I think he was saying that even people who, who perhaps are very civilized, um, yet in their inner motivation and the way they think about the world and thus the way they behave, are still objects of wrath because they're not thinking about God, they're not doing it for God. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that's one thing. If you, you mustn't move, otherwise I think you're trying to say something, but to <laughs> breathe completely quietly like this. The question I wanted to ask was, here it says that human beings are by nature objects of wrath. So you said sinful nature. Uh, there is something quite so deep in the makeup of humanity, as humans now are, which, in which they're, um, totally colored by sin. That's not to say that being human is itself sinful, because being human is noble. We're made in the image of God. But what we choose to do with that uh, is sinful. And so you can say, by nature, objects of God's disapproval. And, and if we were to say, well, if it's nature, then we can't really be blamed for it. I'd invite you to put it around the other way and say, did God choose to be holy? Or is it God's nature to be holy? And if it's God's nature to be holy, would we say it's pointless to praise him and say how wonderful he is to be holy if he had no real choice about it anyway. Do you, do you see where, where I'm going with that? that? That somebody can have such as their nature and, the, and that you rightly praise them or blame them and that's a perfectly right thing to do. We do it with God that way round He's always holy. There's never been a time when he wasn't holy. He didn't choose to be holy from some neutral state. 
but we praise him for his holiness. And if, sinful, if, if, if sinners are sinners, they, we, they can rightly be blamed for being sinners, even though they never started off in a neutral place. And then, do you see what I mean? I think it, it works that way around. Do you see what I mean? Does that make sense? I'll have to think about that. And anyway, we could go into the text and say, it isn't simply that they passively are in this state, because it says in verse two, those who are disobedient. So it, it is, it, although it is nature, sinful nature, it does not override the will because people are choosing all the time to disobey. So we ought to put disobedience in there because it says it. Am I right? So we If we're dead... Yeah. I know that we can be disobedient, but we can only... I mean, I think it's just a conundrum. I, I, can, I, I find it inexplicable to work it out. But we, we, we're disobedient according to our nature. If Ross used blindness, but Paul says dead. Yes. And if you're dead, you can't change being dead. Um, you're just like Lazarus. So Lazarus couldn't do anything. And there seems to be a, a fatalistic uh, aspect to it. We, we, we're in a deep pit and we can't get out of it. Yeah. And though we are disobedient, it, it's because the fact that we're dead. Yeah, we 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 can't not we can't obey. Isn't there a yes. Bound over to disobedience. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's various ways of putting it. Um, I think if we if, even if we just stick to this text here, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Isn't that what it actually says? You were dead. And if you had an authorised version, it says, in your transgressions and sins in which you used to walk when you followed the ways of this world. So when it says dead, which is what it does say, it doesn't mean dead, absolutely motionless, and like a stone. Um, it's, uh, if I may use that, um, like a, you know, an inanimate object. But it does mean dead in the, we're, we're unable to obey God. Yeah, there's, a, there's an inability in, in, in dead. Because it doesn't, act, although in other places it says blind, here it, it says dead. So unable to respond, unable to react. In, I mean, it doesn't mean that we were unable to stop at traffic lights or unable to boil an egg, um, but unable to do any of those things in a way of spiritual life. Something like that. So if I, if I put dead, woo, there. Of course, that's the word it uses, dead. Um, and so there, there, is, there is a real conundrum about the human condition here, isn't there? Uh, and it's not a conundrum which lets people off the hook and says, ah, well, you see, they can't help it because they're dead and they... 
it, it, it never lets people off the hook. It keeps them on the hook, but it says, look what a terrible state you're in. You are dead. You cannot move a spiritual muscle in the right direction. You are disobedient. You keep on willfully, deliberately choosing to go the wrong way. This is not partly true of you, but it, this is your nature. This is, you, by nature, you are, what does it say, a child of wrath. Is that right? Objects of wrath. So it, it puts layer upon layer of the complete pickle that humanity is in. And you could add other layers to that. The, the layer of, uh, there's a satanic influence as well, isn't it? You followed the ways of this world and the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. So we're not alone in this spiritual sphere of sin and death. Uh, we are, we were colleagues with Satan uh, following him. So you have this sort of trinity, don't you? The world, the flesh and the devil. So it's a right old pickle that people are in. Would anybody like, is there anything significant that we've missed out there? Because we've touched on a lot of those points. Um, something about the fact that our nature, our sinful natures, were not compatible with God's nature. Like, prior to God's work in us, there was something fundamentally incompatible that being objects of wrath. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I I think the verse that says that would be more in chapter 4, verse 18, where it says, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So that's not so much an incompatibility as a separation. So we in our nature are separated from God uh, and are not upheld in communion with, but separated from. Um, does, that, does that go a little bit to way? Yeah, I, I suppose comment? it. I suppose, just, just given. I obviously we're going to come onto the bit from, but because of his great love for us. But it would explain something of the desire of God's heart for us not to be separate from Him. To that He does not want us to be objects of wrath, <coughs> but to set His love upon us. I don't know. But yeah. I... Yep. Okay. Can I add something? Yes. I have to go and get the microphone. So this, um, this, these verses, I, I, when I read them, I, I find them really difficult to read because the first four verses, and whenever I read them, mm. I, I kind of feel really turned off by them because although I know they're true, it, it's really horrible reading, and 
I think of my life before I knew God and it paints that life with such a horrible brush that mm. I think it's worth, I, I suppose um, it's worth also, not that I want to add to these scriptures, but uh, reminding that God did make us in his image and even before people mm. knew, before people know the Lord, they do wonderful things even in their sinfulness and you know god god in his mercy like we mentioned earlier you know um you know people do amazing things don't they even when they don't know the lord they 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 can create wonderful pieces of music or bring up children in a really loving kind way and they can show great kindness to people uh, just from their natural the heart that god's given them they can do great acts of um, philanthropy and charity and yes um, and so it's yeah so there is a, a very spiritual element to these verses which is something to do with salvation and the great cosmic picture of um, of of uh, of salvation yeah. that maybe we need to look at it all within that sphere yeah. Yeah, it, it would be very hard to sit next to somebody in the office if the only information you had about them was that they live, follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You would, you would scarcely even dare uh, ask them to, to lend you a paper clip, would you? Indeed, uh, really, yeah, and, and, and you wouldn't have the plum around to fix your, bo- to <laughs> fix your boiler. And, <laughs> no. You know, it'd be no. like, well, this guy's just going to wreck the whole thing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's absolutely right. So this is not the, all the information we have about the human condition. And we, we could add, add to that that we're made in the image of God. And under God's... Um, no, what am I trying to say? There's a, there's a co- what uh, the theologians call common grace, God's goodness to good and evil alike. He sends the rain, he sends the sun, and he uh, holds us back from everything going to an extreme but even having uh, Steve could Steve have the microphone but even having said that that doesn't mean that sin is any less sinful yeah go on Steve well I, I was just going to say that the question is what we haven't really said is what does the phrase the kingdom of the air actually mean um, it seems to me that it, it talks about what we sometimes call the right guys the zeitgeist. zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, in a sense, probably where the phrase comes from. But, but it's it, it's it's a, a spirit of, of disobedience, isn't it? That's that he's talking about. That the um, that I mean, why does he say the kingdom of the air? He must be talking about something you kind of breathe in, or, or you know, you exist in, mm. because that's that's where you are. That's that's where you live, as it were. Yeah, thank you very much. Let's move on, because that's the, that's the negative, and it is really very negative, and I don't think we can get away from that. And I suppose one of the things that we, we would have to humbly say is, although we think we, we understand our sin, and although we think we confess sin and sense the guilt of sin, we actually need to be educated in this, because we, we don't quite realize how bad it was we don't quite realise how bad sin is until the Bible tells us so. So there's that. Now let's go to the, to the next bit. So that was where we were at. 
where do we get to and how do we get there? So let's look at the next verses. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, wonderful sentences. I wonder if we can tease any of that out and put some thoughts down. Where, where, where do we go to afterwards and how do we get there? Okay, so it, 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 the, transition, the transition, the movement is grace. Does it say grace? And if so, where does it say grace? By grace. Well, it's by grace you have been saved. That's um, verse 8. Verse 8. So it just says it in verse 8. By grace you have been saved. Does it say it anywhere else? Yeah. Verse 5. It says, by grace you have been saved. So verse 5. Does it say anywhere else? Verse 7. Verse 7. The incomparable riches of his grace. So it emphasizes at least those three times. We're saved by God's grace. So, does it say that in verse Okay. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. So if we would put mercy in the same heading as grace I don't think they're that different by God's mercy so if I were to ask you is, are we where's, can I find my little um, so rather than the crisis process from earth or from heaven what's he, what's, what's he emphasizing here from heaven. from heaven isn't it he's saying that's the pickle you were in you were so uh, you know, words can hardly describe the, the catch-22 pickle you were in. You just could not get out. You did not have the capacity to do so. You were just running around again and again, disobeying God, not thinking about God. And God just reached down and picked you out of that by grace. Now, he didn't wait for you to say, excuse me, could you help me? He did sort of picture it. That's the picture that we're given. Am I right? Mm-hmm. By grace. Anybody, could, could we say anything else about either where we get to or how we get there? So grace is definitely there. From death to life. Can you give us the life bit, please, Steve? Verse five. Verse five. So we were in death. That says Dead. And we go to life. 
You were dead. You were made alive. Any other detail on that? You were dead, you were made alive. With Christ. With Christ. So here, we ought to find room to put Christ in this diagram. And I suppose the question is, how much room on the diagram should there be for Christ in this? Little bit? Is he a little part of it? No. Uh, hmm? He's all of it, isn't it? This, this whole area here. The whole thing is Christ. Could it, could, so that, that, that's my assertion. Would anybody like to back that up with anything from the text? So he made us alive with Christ. Anything else that I says anything? Not, and it wasn't from yourselves. Not, not from yourselves. The gift of God. So let's put gift in there as well. Right, so there's the word faith. And I think that is over in this side, faith. Verse eight. Did faith come into our reading in any other place? It's not mentioned a huge amount, but I think it was mentioned at one other point. It's in chapter one, actually. Well, 1 verse 13, it actually says believed, doesn't it? Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Yes, is that right? So, interestingly, that there's just those two mentions of faith and believing, which I think is probably just the same thing, spelt in a different way. Um, that, that, I think, we would say is a human activity. But it, it's not only a human activity, but it is a human activity. So... I nearly said stones again. Uh, chairs don't have faith. It would be ridiculous to say this is a chair that has faith, this is a chair that doesn't have faith. Inanimate objects don't have faith. Dogs sometimes have faith, don't they? A dog might trust you uh, in, in a very simple way, which I suppose shows what a simple, in a sense, what a simple thing is, faith is when we put our trust in, in God May I share with you an illustration, because I've never ever had time to use this, but I saw many years ago one of these um, horse, what is it, uh, when the horse, uh, a horse show thing, when horses have to do tasks, what's that called? It's not a gymkhana, is it? Pun? Dressage? That sort of thing. And what it was, was that the, they'd got a seesaw thing, quite a big seesaw, uh, and such that a horse could go on it. And they blindfolded the horse, and the horse was asked by the rider to go up onto the seesaw. And imagine the horse doing this, thinking, oh, what's all this about? And then when he gets to the middle, the seesaw tips over and goes down the other side, and the horse has to go down here. And of course, the, the horse and rider are marked on how, how panicked they are by this. And this always seems to me a wonderful picture of faith, because the horse just trusted the rider to know where, where we were going. And even when you got to the point, we thought, oh, this is a bit peculiar. 
oh, on earth's going on here? Rather than the horse going, I'm not up for this anymore. The horse just goes, ooh, but it's okay. And this just seemed to me a wonderful picture of the simple faith that we ought to have in the Lord because he doesn't always show us where we're going, does he? But he does say, you know, I'm in charge. I know where we're going. Just follow me on this. Anyway, thank you for allowing me to say that because I've, I've seen, I saw that years and years ago. I never had the opportunity to, to say it. Where did we get to? Um, faith. Anything else about... So we go from death to life in Christ. Any other things that it says here? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thank you. And it, it, does it not say raised with Christ? So the heavy lifting on this raising is the heavy lifting of raising Christ from the dead. And we are lifted up with him. It's not a separate thing from that. It is linked up to the fact as he rises from the dead, he's got us attached to him, if you like, um, clinging on to him and as he's lifted he brings us up with him a bit like a ship being brought up out of the sea with all the barnacles attached to it the whole thing gets lifted up and we are raised with Christ 1 verse 19 and 20 the incomparable power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead yeah, thank you. And seated at him at his right hand. Because we've got that bit there. Did you notice that? Verse 6. Seated us. This is chapter 2, verse 6. Seated us with him in heavenly realms. So. That's really high. I'm sorry? That's really high. Really high. It is really high. We're, we're, we're co, co-raised with him and co-seated with Christ seated I think this is a great mystery because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago and ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago and has been seated in the right hand of God ever since I wasn't even born 2,000 years ago and yet I'm told that in some wonderful way when he was raised up, I was raised too. When he was seated at the right hand of God, I was seated there with him. Uh, and, and how that link works across time, I've no idea. I don't know. I don't, I've never read anybody who can tell us that. But, so that link, in a sense, is there because it's in the eternal purposes of God. The link is also there when I come to faith so in verse, chapter 1, verse 13, you were also were included in Christ when you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed. So there's a link that seems to be in some sense formed when I come to faith. But there must be more to it than that because the link existed before I was even born. When Christ was raised, in some sense I was raised with him. Does that make some sort of sense and uh, let, let's let, we need to draw to a conclusion don't we um, so in terms of 
salvation. Where would you say the emphasis lies on, as regards the human activity versus the divine activity? Where would you say the emphasis lies in this passage? Pardon? The divine, yeah. Sorry, Jack. Sorry. The initiative is with God. That's certainly the way it looks at it here, isn't it? That's not to say that it isn't right for evangelists to pin on people, you should believe in Jesus Christ. You should believe in him now. You have adequate evidence to believe in him. You have all the promises believe in him. There he is Every good thing is in Christ. Come to Christ, you will have every good thing. That's, you know, that's a right thing for evangelists to say. But it's also true to say that the, the emphasis here is that underneath all the human activity is God who takes the initiative. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive with Christ, which is pretty Amazing. I think it's meant, it's meant to be amazing because that's the way Ephesians works. It says, this is so amazing, I'm now going to say you should live as people who are as blessed as that. Yeah. I was going to say um, that the, the most powerful thing here, well, other than God, is faith. So the, the hinge, so it all comes from heaven, but yeah. the the hinge is faith and belief and belief. So um, what Ray mentioned about the scripture in Ephesians 1 where it mentions belief. And it just kind of struck me, uh, made me think of Hebrews 11, is it? Where there's all the great people from the Old Testament and it's their small acts of faith, just Mm. their kind of, uh, the kind of clinging on to what Mm. God has promised that kind of brings about huge, amazing yes. works by God. Um, yes. And it is literally just us just saying, yeah, I'll be that horse that kind of trusts and, yeah. you know, and then, and then amazing things happen. Yeah, yeah. We, yes, we've, we've got, um, what shall I say? There's a perspective on this, isn't there? Um, we are to be people of faith, and it, uh, by faith we are saved. So that is the, the, the focal point of what's pinned on human people to do is, is believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Although if you then zoom back a bit, it says you're saved by faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So e- even the faith, Oh, well, I didn't realize that, that faith was a gift. So faith is a duty and a gift. It can be both of those things. You, you must believe, and then you zoom back. You say, well, here I am believing, aren't I good? Actually, that was a gift anyway. So it, it's, it's a, a rather wonderful picture. It's humbling. We, we should be humbled, and we should be... Uh, yeah, humbling, I think, is a, is a worshipful attitude to be humbled and say we're... We're amazed at what God has done and who God is. 
Time's gone. I'm sorry. At all. Well, I'm not sorry. I think we've had we've looked at some good things, but I didn't mean to take quite as long as that. But anyway, it's worth. worth.